clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, I have to tell you, I uh, it's a little embarrassing, okay? Okay, I'm here but, for this. Uh, I... Uh, bought some new lube and I couldn't remember what the name was of the lube we were supposed to buy based on your recommendations and this stuff turns into like jello. I don't understand. <laughs> it's like the worst. And we're back, folks. Hope everybody is well and safe and healthy out there. And uh yeah, so a little embarrassing. Whatever that stuff was, I tossed it already. I've forgotten the name. I've, I've stricken it from my brain records because it was so bad. Anyways, this is not an episode about me. I just, I, I had to tell you, I've been dying to tell you, and I was so frustrated because I couldn't remember the name, and I'm entirely too lazy to go back and listen to our other episodes and find the one where you talked about the right lube to use. So you're saying that that's a question I should have asked you on was Jeremiah listening? I which don't we want do to, let's not of... talk about that, okay? It's not the end of the <laughs> you season. You did so yet. well it's, last time. Yeah. You did really well. Yeah. I know. I'm Jeremiah great. doesn't like tests. I or really, really don't like tests. Like a whole lot. I was even talking to my therapist about it today. I do not like tests. My brain goes into absolute shutdown mode. You did good. You got like a, I think you got like a 95% on the last one. We did. I don't know. I don't recall what my grade was on this, but I know I was stressful and I, it's, it stresses me out. Okay. It stresses me out. <laughs> we'll figure uh, something else out for the all end right. of well, the we're season back. then. We're, yeah. Thank you. We're back folks. Hope everybody is well, like I was saying earlier. Uh, don't forget to check out the Amy book by Autumn Karen and myself, the first book published through the University of Pleasure. And again, Kelly Dorney is the narrator's my ex-wife and one of my best friends, just an incredible woman and a talent. And I think she brought Amy to life beautifully. So check that out on Audible and anywhere else you get the audiobooks. It's all over the world. And then, uh, you know, new episode of Shoot the Shit is in the pipe, Doc. It's in the pipe. Yeah, we have the wonderful guest Calvin Hauer. Calvin Hauer. Have of... we fixed hey, have we fixed our, our Apple podcasts? Yes, finally? it's all fixed. It's good. Is it fixed? Yeah, good. We were all... we were marked as ex well, we got in trouble for being explicit. Well, Doc, <laughs> the title says shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna It's also about sex therapists. Yeah, and to it... be fair, we do talk about probably Adult things. Adult things. It's not really for kids. You know, it's not, it doesn't... It's not for kids. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's for kids. It's yeah. not overly racy either, but it's not for kids. Yeah, definitely. It's not going to come on after Sesame Street. So, you know, it's definitely closer to the grown-up NC-17 rating, I would say. That's just my humble opinion, but it's brilliant. Check it out. Who's this guest, Doc? Explain Cal who he is. Calvin Hauer. Calvin Hauer is a, uh, a therapist and does a lot of sexual health work. Lovely. Actually hoping to get him to come on here and join us. He wants Ooh. to talk about like kink and community stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? I'm He's interested. Lovely. I'm interested. Will yeah. he and I be really close like I was with Dr. Leo and... Uh, my very best family friend, Laura Rademacher. I love that you call her a family friend. You're not family. We're family friends. We're, that's what we are now. We go You're so conceptual. far back. Conceptual. I, I think, think we need to be really clear that you are not a blood relation to Laura Rademacher. <laughs> Fine. But I think she's amazing. I love talking to her. She her is voice amazing. is so calming. I almost want she's her to be super calming. Like I want to, like I want her to read me like a book, like just like put it on like on the Calm app because I do use the Calm app. And yeah. incidentally, Calm, if you want to be one of our sponsors, we're happy to promote you because I love it. And I'll do the meditation stuff. And they come on. They often have British accents, but I don't need a British accent. I just need 
Laura Rademacher's voice. <laughs> I'll let her know. Please her tell know. her for me. because Maybe I just, we can arrange a Christmas gift for you where Laura Rademacher's reading you oh, bedtime that would be stories amazing. or something. That would be amazing. Thank I'm you I'm signing her up for all sorts of weird things. So <laughs> I should probably get her. She's big on consent. Uh, yeah, and that's kind really of her topic consent. du jour. So we should really uh, talk to her about that and get her consent. For I these totally sources. wholeheartedly agree on that. And I would love that. That would be the greatest gift ever. Laura Rademacher reading me a bedtime story. Thank you very much. It would just help me go to sleep. I know it sounds yes. weird, but that's kind of what the comm app does. They like read these little stories like riding the Orient Express through the mountains. I don't know. I don't think Mike. I think I have the voice talent for this doc. Should I do some calm stuff? Maybe I could get them to, you know, sponsor with us, and then I could use my exceptional vocal range <laughs> to help you go to sleep at night. What do you that's, think of that doc? That's yeah, my calm I mean, voice. Uh, you, you contact them on your own time, please. All but right, contact well, all right, them. <laughs> all right, on my own time. Fine. That's fine. All right. Well, we have a classic here today, folks. The original format. We're back to it. Hope you all enjoyed Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. It's not called that. It is Doc, good advice, bad advice. I'm always going to call it that. I'm always going to call it <sighs> Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down, and you're always going to correct me. And even if you asked me to learn it and remember it, I wouldn't because it's just not my style. Okay? <sighs> I like Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. Check that episode out. It was really great. We had the doc in the corner. Not really. She kind of agreed, but really didn't. It was great and a whole lot of fun. I would say I more did not agree than agreed. There oh, was a well. few things that I could get on board with. And, and guess what, Doc? A... I agree to disagree. How about that? How do you think oh. that? How do you think that went? Right? Boom! See how I did that? And Tab Tucker's book, "How to Get Laid." Jesus, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's hilarious. Check it out. All right, that's enough of our announcements. Let's get back to the format. Oh, what? Uh, by the way, as you were talking as an, a plug for people contacting us on our oh, contact yes, page. Yes, I forgot the contact uh, page. Yeah, I was thinking we need to do an episode and collect people's uh, best worst lube stories. Oh, is that because I brought it up? Yeah, yeah. I think that that will be an amazing episode where we get people to call in. Oh, call in and give us your like best or worst lube story, like something you use for lube that either went amazingly well or amazingly poor. Uh, can be little. Keep it anonymous. We'll keep it anonymous. But uh, you want to give them the phone number for that? Absolutely. That would be 917-382-0653. Again, that number is 917 917- Three eight two zero six five three, and you can always email us at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And we'll always take other sex questions, non-lube-related sex stories. And sex I apologize to all of our millions of fans that I got the doc's brain spinning on bad lube stories. <laughs> okay. Oh. Well, here we go. This is our uh, our topic of the day in my calm voice. Mm. Ch -ch -ch changes sexual lives rearranged renegotiating sexual relationships after children doc did you see how i just sang because that was so i mean i know that you were doing the patter of david bowie right Ch -ch -ch well i appreciate that you got that sexual I lives rearranged. it would have been better if i have one too many syllables in there for you but it would have been better should have been sex lives rearranged that would have been even better sex lives rearranged yeah it all, listen it all worked my vocal talent got us to the other side and it's <laughs> not a big deal at all i mean i should admit that i spent more time on that title than i spent preparing for any of it <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> all right well here we are renegotiating sexual relationships after children all right so i have some friends very beautiful friends and uh they have had a baby not too long ago and there has been i you know just through chatting like that there were some changes in the sexual desire department from the mother so this is something I've recently had a conversation about. So I'm ready to learn. I have no children that I know about. So I don't, I have dogs and cats and, uh, you know, I'm interested to learn here, Doc. If maybe yeah. I can impart a little wisdom for my friends. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an important, you know, it's kind of like a no brainer, sort of like, of course things change after you have kids, but people often really aren't prepared for it. As an aside, I made the joke that I spent more time on the title than preparing for this, but that's not actually true. This is actually my dissertation area. So I actually (laughs) spent years. Cheater, cheater. (laughs) I actually spent years. Um, (laughs) My dissertation was on the sexual experience of new fathers the year postpartum. Oh, wow. Oh, that I would be interested in because the one... I mean, here, look, being a guy, all right, we don't have, I always say, like, I I think women are such incredible humans because the things you go through as women and hormonal changes and having babies and periods and so many incredible things that we as men have no concept of, right? And you know, I, as, as, yeah, as cisgender men. Cisgender men. Uh, I was inferring that, by the way, just, you know. So, uh, but cisgender men. <laughs> What you rolled your eyes at me? I did. I just, I'm not rolling. No, I'm not rolling your eyes. Just uh, listening. That you there's know, there's a glare in here. <laughs> the glare. It's a glare. Mm-hmm. The light was hitting me from the mm-hmm. side. Totally, it was strange. Anyway, that I was just saying that you know, it, it, I can see where the struggle would come in because body chemistry changes, desire goes up and down after a child, exhaustion, having to nurse a baby. So many things go into that. But we as guys were like, hey, baby, like, you know, it's just, you know, are you ready? Let's rock, you know? Right. Well, and, you know, and we don't, we can, we can do a separate podcast specifically on like really the area that I did my dissertation on. Right. But like lots of changes and shifts happen sort of across gender for people. It's wow. a really big for people that are male identified, like honestly too, like um, across sexual orientations, across gender identities. And there's like different, like maybe gender trends people might see, but like having kids makes an enormous impact on, uh, a sexual dynamic and a couple's sort of sexual dynamic. And so there's like some pretty, like I said, like I, I literally did spend a you spent forever working on your dissertation. So actually this is an area that I've, (laughs) I've talked about and thought about like a lot. So I will try to keep it as concise and we will probably have some future topics in this area too. Well, I think we future. should. I think maybe this could be something that, you know, we we uh, circle back to because, you know, a lot of the folks out there based on some of our analytics are in this world. They're people in that age bracket that are having kids, right? And uh, that it might be it might be really helpful to remind people of uh, the changes that happen and stuff like that, and well, maybe some helpful hints. What do you think of that? I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, producing yeah. on the fly, Doc. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, there is a lot to talk about in this area, but I do think like kind of what I was saying around, like, it it seems like a bit of a no brainer when you're like, yeah, of course, after kids, things change. But you know, what's really interesting, like a lot of couples don't expect it. Like they know it, like, it's kind of like you tell somebody and they're like, yeah, of course, but like, it's not until they get there and people feel often report feeling really ill-prepared for those changes because it's hard to know how much, especially like, um, you, you know, like after the birth of your first child, right? Like if people have more than one child, they might, you know, have better expectations set around what this is going to look like, but you can't really know what something's going to look like until you go through with it. And now I want to say like, there are plenty of people that have kids and maybe experience some changes, but they weren't that impactful or maybe things stayed the same, but there are a lot of folks out there that really big shifts started to happen once they have kids. What a really interesting thing is like, I do a lot of couples therapy, right? And I'm doing often typically sex therapy with couples. And usually they're coming in for some type of sexual struggle. And way more often than not, not always, but often when I'm asking them like, Hey, when did these struggles begin? The most common answer is after we had kids. Ah. Right. And so that's a really big time in which things start to change. Right. And those things start to change for so many reasons. And one of the biggest reasons that, you know, again, some of this stuff feels kind of no duh, but we don't really prep people for it. Well, but the big one of the biggest reasons is just time, time constraints. All of a sudden, people have way less time than they had before. And then, you know, there are other variables like exhaustion, increased stress, changes, uh, changes in the body as well. If someone recently had like was carrying a baby and recently had a baby, you know, this can, by the way, even younger kids or older kids, too, but definitely right, like, you know, when children are younger, it's often even more stressful. So like, let's say someone's breastfeeding 
that can have a massive impact on somebody's sexuality. It sure. can, yeah. I mean, like there's a lot of things that it can shift. It can uh, create sometimes some sexual, like physical structural struggles, right? So people can um, have like increased vaginal dryness when they're breastfeeding. Oh, what? People... Hang on a second, hang on a second. How does one affect the other? I'm sorry, I'm not a doctor. Uh, so, well, I'm not a medical doctor, all right, um, but, but like, you know, yeah, it just like hormone levels and like ways in which like breastfeeding can really impact mm. hormone levels. And okay, it can so impact yeah, your hormones sort of... go while you're well, breastfeeding, maybe, and then that might make you more dry vaginally. There's just a lot of complex systems that okay. are at play. I just, I, just, in, I just wanted to clarify. Was... You know, when you're when your body's producing food, it turns out it's doing something. And it might be, you know, pulling from some other resources, right? Or like sort of taxing certain other systems. Sure. But like if you look at not to be too specific, right? But like I could do a whole episode just on the impact of breastfeeding, right? Like, cause there's things like I said, vaginal dryness can occur. Um Sometimes, like let's say somebody really enjoyed their breasts being touched pre-breastfeeding. Not always. Sometimes people remain exactly the same. But then there's a whole lot of people that are like, these actually now sexually have a different meaning to me, right? Oh, they're, like changes their thought process as to how they see their own breasts. Even. Maybe how they see them or even physically how they experience it. Sometimes yeah. there's something there's something um, that can happen with new parents or just people that have uh, are being touched a lot. That's called touch oversaturation, right? Oh, my cat Where... has that problem. Like if I pet him too much, <laughs> he bites me. I think that's a different thing, but maybe. <laughs> oh, all right. That seemed kind of the same, like over, like overstimulation, oversaturation, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, touch, guess, yeah, yeah. and then, then he turns around and bites me. He's a total prick. I yeah, hate like well, well, to, but to be fair, right? Like you go from before you have kids, right? You might not, you might go from like a lot of the touch, intimate touch that you're having is with your partner, and then after you had kids, you might have kids constantly touching you, being on you, you do, your body is now different. It's not like just you, yours, and then you choose to give it to your partner. Now you have other people, especially if you're breastfeeding, that might like literally rely on your body to stay alive. And that starts to change sometimes things. And again, not for everybody, but for some people. And, you know, so like, for instance, I've had dialogues with somebody with, with couples in which maybe one person is breastfeeding and maybe breasts were a part of sexual play prior. And then after having children, it's like, yeah, I don't like it anymore. And a wow. partner might be like, what? You used to love that. Yeah, well, now they have a different meaning. Side note, I've also had partners be like, I've been watching my partner breastfeeding and I don't see them sexually in the same way anymore. Sure, you know? I can see that. You know, when Sometimes... I was in the hospital one time, uh, I got MRSA and I... The only channel that worked on my TV was a breastfeeding channel. Like that's the whole, the only TV channel I had for like two days <laughs> or my week long. Very stay. intense. Yeah. Okay. And like I just, and I didn't know that that was the thing. You know, I was 14. So like I, and you know, I, I was trying to understand. It was very confusing times for me, doc. Okay. It was very <laughs> confusing times because I wanted to see the breasts, but at the same time they were feeding babies and then I got all weird about it. So I can understand that that might become a complex emotion that happens for a, yeah, a and father. For some, for or some another, people, or, 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 or if two women being together, you know, whatever. Yeah, it, it, for some people, it might uh, like things like lactation might end up being a turn on. For some people, it might be a turn off. Like that's the whole point. And I'm just talking about breastfeeding, but there's all sorts of different things that happen after people have children that change and can change their relationship with their bodies and their partner's bodies. Because now you have this, these little beings that are also like in the picture and wanting intimate touch and to be a part of your body and intimate touch, or your partner's watching your kids being a part of intimate touch with somebody. And it just can really create some shifts and changes, not just in like how frequently people are having sex, but also like people's sexual desires, the things that turn them on. Side note, sometimes if someone's, uh, after like childbirth and you know healing from that sometimes how someone might orgasm might shift or there change you, oh yeah yeah of course i was told like uh, after you have children a lot of women you know sometimes they like if they're exercising they might pee a little bit so like even body changes like control oh, yeah, I mean, and stuff like that and... yeah like there can be changes sort of in in terms of like pelvic floor issues or right, other things like Dr. that leo could... talked about yeah right like so there's all sorts of stuff that can shift and again this is across the gender spectrum i'm maybe talking about some stuff that might be specific to like people with vaginas or people that have like given birth but it really like the thing 
um, that's important to think about is like, if you have a partner, then anything that impacts one person, it starts to impact the other person, right? Because it's yeah. a dynamic yeah. between two people. But it, it's really more to say that like, there's a lot of stuff in a variety of ways, not just like, oh, we're tired and we don't have as much sex, but there's a lot of stuff that can really change, not just the frequency of sex, but also the the quality and the type of sex that people are having or can have and the ways that they enjoy it. So it's a really big change for people. Yeah, I can imagine so. So what do we... Uh... What should we start with? Like, what are some of the ch 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 changes? <laughs> um, well, I think that like something that's helpful to, you know me, I first like to understand the problem and help people understand or not the problem, but like the dynamic before necessarily like what to do about it. Because there's a lot of complexities to this and different people experience different things. But well, of course. One, one of the other things that can really impact sexuality, like partner sexuality after children is that people go from being partners to parents. And psychologically, this is a big shift because it shifts the nature sometimes of what the relationship to each other is, right? So it partners is very like in certain ways, very straightforward, but after people have kids, now they're to a certain degree in this like parental, almost transactional type relationship, right? Where they're, they're like, and in many ways that can be bonding in a way that's like amazing and awesome, but then also sometimes not sexy, right? Like when you're negotiating, like who's picking my kid, like who's picking the child up from school or the children up from school, or did you do the thing you were supposed to do? Did I do the thing I was supposed to do? You know, are we on the same page about parenting dynamics? And that really changes things. And so now there is this element of a relationship that bears a lot of response, shared responsibility together. And that's not always the most er erotic for people. And yeah. also because you're often trying to keep your kids alive. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Starts, that's usually a good priority to have. Yeah. It's a good priority. I'm grateful for be. my parents for having that priority and making it Number one, unlike Tab <laughs> Tucker, who would tell you that it's about getting laid and that therefore <laughs> all other priorities, all other priorities should not be there. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, Continue. Tab Tucker is going to resonate with us for a while. I yeah, think. I think so. <laughs> um, but like, does that make sense? How like that 100%, shift? 100% because if you're sitting here and you're like, okay, we're partners. We have this certain dynamic, you know, um, the frequency we have sex, the things that we do, we travel, we this, we that, that's what partners do and you have adventures, right? And then when you have children, you shift very quickly into just being mom and dad and parents and things just have to be taken care of. And and there's a, I can only imagine that that is a massive uh, uh, emotional shift that happens even probably without thinking about it because you just go into it. And then I could see that that could be just like, whoa, when did we become these people? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and to be fair to people, like it is of necessity, right? Like you are trying to keep other humans alive, yes. which let's be real. It's like, good on you. Well uh -huh. done. That's a huge, massive responsibility. And that's not to say that there aren't like these really beautiful and wonderful elements of that experience that might bond you in different ways. And in certain ways for some people could add to their sexual relationship. But then there's a whole lot of other people where they're like, we're so busy being co-parents that we've not had time or energy or focus to also like maintain that partner romantic sort of element of our relationship because we're frankly just trying to get through the day. Right, right. And, you know, anyone that's ever like, when's the last, I mean, it's been with COVID, right? But like, when's the last time that you've been out and about and you've seen like a couple with small kids. A uh, long time. It's been a long, right. like two years. And I mean, like, I, my, I, my two friends have two daughters, right? And they're the most beautiful people in the world, uh, both inside and out. And they have these two beautiful daughters. But they were in the house with their, you know, two little kids for, you know, two years straight. Like, that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I have a friend that, like, I'll call, that has some small children. And I'll call her. And, like, every conversation, the backdrop is just, ah! <laughs> just somebody just full volume screaming right for or crying for a duration and that's just normal child behavior she's got kids under five and like you know she's learned to tune it out but like that's not like that requires a lot of attention and focus and you know you you can't 
have the same level of attention and focus as you used to have available to attend to your sex life as you did before kids. And that's very real. I think what we should do here, I think we should take a break. Okay. I think we should take a break. This feels right to me, organically speaking. Okay. Great. We take a break here. And then when we come back, let's talk about, uh, we've talked about the impact that it can have. We've talked about all this, you know, that can change physically and emotionally and becoming parents. Let's come back and maybe talk about reconnecting. Like, what? How do we uh, give them some tips yep. of the trade? What do you think? Yeah. Excellent. We'll be right back. And we are back, folks. Okay. I don't have children, and I want to make that the disclaimer here because, uh, you know, I, I am not an expert. On this, And I know that's shocking to most people out there listening because Jeremiah James knows so much about so many things. I'm a jack of all trades and I learned so much from the doc, which I apply in my, uh, you know, the internship that I'm doing right now to become a self-help guru. Oh, in your and in your correspondence course. In my correspondence course. Exactly. Yeah. So therefore, you know, I know it's shocking to our millions of fans out there all over the world that I don't have any experience in this. I'm an uncle. You know, and then the cool thing is at the end of the day, when they start crying or go crazy, I'm like, here's your mom. Bye, Uncle Jay. Peace out. Right. (laughs) So I don't have a a deep well of knowledge in this field, Doc. And so I really am interested, but I because I have so many friends that talk about these things like, man, we've never been so tired in our lives. You know, connection has been hard and we're trying to find a balance. So let's impart this because us and again we talked about it no joke out there a lot of our analytics show that people are in this age bracket of like you know the mid-20s to their early 40s there are a lot of our listeners and i think a lot of those people might be having babies so yep. let's give babies them, small kids or you young know, children yep. let's give them some advice especially since like your dissertation was on this well mine was specifically on new fathers but you have to study all of it to look at it um yeah. but um so uh, some of the things uh, to talk about, like maybe some things to do might also be talking about what are some things t- to think about if you are doing maybe to not do. <laughs> All right. So, All right. Um, so there's some common struggles. And again, not everybody struggles with this. Some couples have very naturally adapted to kids in ways. Great. Good on you. Write some books, please, because this is a tough area. Um, if you feel like you've really killed this uh, and done a great job with this awesome hats off to you because it's it's tricky. Um, but one of the things like because I've seen a lot of couples and I talk to a lot of folks that are in this position and um one of the things that can be, and I get why people do it, I totally do, but one of the things that can sometimes be a bit of a like unhelpful direction to go in is when people try to make what their sex life was what it was before children. Okay. When, so when when okay. people when people try to like go back, when they're like, we just need to get to who we were before kids. And I don't say this to be like a, a like a, a bummer. A Debbie bu- Downer. A Debbie Downer. I feel it coming, Doc. <laughs> but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> um, why? It doesn't mean you still can't have a great sexual life and a great sexual world, but your lives are different. The dynamics of your life are different. It's why at 40, you can't go back to being 20. Why you're 40 now is different. It doesn't mean it can't still be good, but it's going to be good in a different way. Right. And right, if that you makes try- sense. And if you try to attach to and go back to some kind of reality that really isn't possible now, you're going to keep running into hurdles. Because like when you think about pre-kids versus post-kids for most people, don't get me wrong. Some people have a ton of privilege where they can hire a ton of help and care. And I don't know, it's like it's like when I watch Downton Abbey and I'm like, oh, your children are brought out for one hour a day. <laughs> <laughs> like you play with them and it's delightful. And then you right. go on about your life. But that's not most people. Let's be real. Most people right, don't have right, that right, level right. Of, of privilege. Um, but, you know, pre-kids, a couple like different dynamics are often at play, right? Like people usually are like, you got way more time, right? As we discussed, you have way more time. Often also age-wise, a lot of times people are even in like maybe less stress in their careers. And so they're also maybe having less career-related stress. It's very easy 
when you're at a lower key job and you got a lot of time on your hands to be like, oh, I've only, you know, maybe working 40 hours a week because my children's lives don't depend on my income. So I have a little more income flexibility and not as much pressure to make more money and to keep it going. So like there's all these reduced pressures before kids that aren't there. Right. And, and some of it's not just about like time. Some of it is also about like increased, like after kids about increased responsibility and like money and finances and the house and all of that, like all of that stuff is responsibility. And a lot of people, when they're like, Oh man, I want to go back to having the sex we used to have when like I lived in a one bedroom apartment and my rent was like 800 bucks a month. And I, you know, Ooh, yeah. uh, worked at this like job and I just needed to be able to pay that 800 bucks a month and we could have sex all the time. You're not going to go back to that when it's like, and now we have our mortgage right. and we have three children and we're all trying to get them into preschool. And one of them's going to a special, like, it's like, I don't know, an immersion school that's private and we got to pay, you know, however much for childcare and, that's a totally different level of responsibility. And that is inevitably going to take away some of the things that um, some of the resources used to be able to put into sex. That makes sense. I mean, that makes total sense. Like you can't go back in time. Right. And now you got responsibilities and duties and that's going to change things emotionally for you and what you have time to focus on and your bandwidth. Right. I mean, that's what we're kind of talking about. Right. Yeah. Um, I think. And, and, and part of that is like, how is that a what to do? Well, it is what to do is starting to, let go for and again some people really get that and some people really are attached to that like we got to get back to there we got to get back to what that was and i and i can say well you it's fair to grieve that and to say like i'm sad we don't have that anymore but if that's where your like focus is that's not going to probably help so part of what to do is starting to go okay how can we make a sexual life more sustainable based on what our lives look like now, not what we wish them to be, not what they used to be, literally what they are now. And part of, I think part of one of the things that people can struggle to do is really um, underestimating the impact that time has on their sexual lives right? and how limitations in time can impact their lives. You can't do in 15 minutes, what you used to be able to do over like a lazy hour on a Saturday. Good point. Good point, doc. And and I'm going to be honest. I've worked with some parents of young kids who are also working, trying to make ends meet, all of that jazz that are just busting their behinds to do the best they can for their kids and themselves and sincerely might get 20 to 30 minutes to themselves in a day. Right. Well, like, I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, I have dogs that need to go out to go to the bathroom every couple of hours. And I'm like, come on, you're cutting into my time. <laughs> right. Like sincerely. And so a lot of times, and again, this isn't every couple, but I've had plenty of couples where it's like, okay, let's quick try to be sexual like 15 minutes before bed. Okay. That's fine. If you want to, tr- and we, I'll talk in a second about maybe some different ways to do that in a way that's more enhancing, but like that ain't going to look like what it looked like when you had that lazy two hours, you know, when you were able to go to Cabo for five days. Like right. That's, <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, everyone loves vacation sex because it's this really like <laughs> long, expansive type of, you know, like time is on your side. But yep. in real life, for many folks, especially in folks with young kids or even teens, depending on what they're doing, you just may not have that sort of time. Um, And so that is some of the adjustments that people need to make. The other thing is, and this is sometimes partner specific, um, is being able to start um, setting more realistic expectations of your partner and what maybe their priorities around how their priorities around sex have shifted. So a really common conflict that I might have come into my office is people have had kids, sex has become less of a priority for one person in the partnership, but it's remained a high priority for the other. And the person for whom it's remained a high priority, I usually the person having higher sex drive has maybe struggled to really acknowledge and maybe be thoughtful about some of the reasons that it's dropped in sure. priority, right? Has has an unrealistic expectation around like, 
Well, like, so for instance, you know, if someone's been home all day with a child being touched, attending to dirty diapers or to like a kid screaming or yeah, like not cart- sexy. Yeah. And then they, you like, maybe you're working or something and you come home and if you're, or maybe that person is not a stay at home parent, maybe they're the parent that's going and going, like going to work and then coming home and like helping with dinner and putting the kids in the bath. Like, regardless of if you're staying at home or not, like, for some people that go, 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 go responsibility, responsibility, and then expecting them to immediately shift into sexy mode when you've got that 30 minutes at the end of the day or hour at the end of the day together. For some people, a lot of people, that shift is going to be really hard. Sure. Like really hard. And if they're not able to do that as well as you, that's not because they're trying to be an asshole. <laughs> Good point, Doc. Good point. It's, and it's not because they don't, <clears throat> more often than not, it's not because they don't care about you. It's not because they don't think your sexual needs are important. It's because their mind just isn't able to hold it as a priority in the same way as you. Some people's sexual desire levels are impacted by stress, fatigue, exhaustion in different ways. Some people can be stressed and exhausted as crap and still be totally ready all that's the time. That's me, baby. That's, that's your gold pal, Jeremiah I feel confident that that's accurate, right? <laughs> and then and then you have other people that that really impacts their sexuality and their capacity. And that's very real. They can't, we've talked about this before in the podcast, sexual desire is not like a light switch you can just decide to turn on and off, right? Right, Just as much not. at just the, as much as someone for whom it's a really high priority can't just magically turn that off, the person for whom it's not a high priority can't magically turn that on. And so when I find people more successfully working through these kind of dilemmas as couples, it's usually when they start finding some compassion for one another's experiences. And they try to like not talk about why they're right in their position, but they try to see why it might be hard for the other person. So you're saying basically... That, you know, if say, say, you know, the man is a, a stay at home father or it could be, a you know, a, a man and a man or a man and a woman or whatever it might be. Having children in your life can change things if you're, you know, having a baby. Yeah, cross orientation, cross orientations, right? So if you're the one at home all day changing the diapers and stuff and, you know, you don't feel so sexy and the baby needs you and it's grabbing you and groping you and all this kind of stuff. And you're the other partner who's coming home and you're like, yeah, a long day, baby, let's rock. You know, and they're not feeling sexy. You know, maybe you want to take into consideration what they were going through all day. And, you know, the other person that was dealing with the diapers and all that stuff, understand that the other person wasn't and they still might have their drive a little bit different. And then like just talking about it and understanding each other. Is that what you're kind of saying here? Yeah. And again, like I think um, sometimes even like the example you gave, I think is a good one. Um, But sometimes too, it, it might be the person that's going and leaving to work or both people are going to work and coming yeah, home. And exhausted. That could be you know what I mean? Yes. Like it, it can be a lot of, it's just, there are just stressors for everyone involved, right, generally right, right, right. speaking. And different people respond differently to that stress. And really as a strategy, never underestimate the power of empathy. Yes, and how agreed. far And how far empathy and trying, rather than being understood, seeking to understand why is the other person having this struggle and trying to find some empathy for that. And ironically, empathy often ends up erotic. Good it's call. often that's a new t-shirt. We can yeah, use that one empathy later. Empathy often ends up erotic. I right. like that so yeah. much. Because what's not, let's say someone's struggling with like lower interest in sex. What generally does not turn them on is someone then like really getting on them and criticizing them about how they're not interested in sex. Right. That generally doesn't do the trick. And so it really is often uh, an important piece. Um, There's more I could go on that. And I know I got so much on this topic. Let me talk about some other things to do. And we can. Yeah, I was just going to say, give us give us some more tips of the trade, yeah. and then we're going to come back and do another episode about this. I feel really confident that this is going to be a hard hitting episode for people, and I think that it could be really helpful. So I'm excited to learn myself. 
even right. though I'm fixed and I'm not having kids, you know, I would I would like to be able to, like, if my buddy's talking about something like that, you know, I can be like, hey, buddy, you know, maybe a little mm-hmm. empathy. Empathy yeah. becomes sexy. Right. Well, and it does. And and there, the empathy can get people very, empathy and patience can get people and then the next get, key ingredient, creativity. Yes. <laughs> so, Which so, is what this podcast is all about. Yeah. We love creativity for the bedroom. Yeah. So part of it is you got to renegotiate how you think of time, right? People are often in an all or nothing state of thinking about sex because people often have a sexual routine. And let's say that that sexual routine includes something like, I don't know, intercourse and foreplay and it takes an hour, right? If people are really stuck on the idea of like, well, we got to do the whole routine, or we can't like all or nothing, either we do it. And someone's like, well, I'm not up for an hour. Well, <laughs> a lot of times what I work with couples on is around like, well, could you be up for like 10 minutes of making out? Could be, you be up for five minutes of some kissing? Could you be up for a little oral, but maybe not intercourse? And it's so interesting how often people are like, oh, you mean I don't have to do the whole routine? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely no, not. Don't. Because a lot of times it's very interesting. A lot of times people feel really hesitant to do a little part of something because they're worried that it won't be enough for their partner. Sure, sure. And that somehow that'll create more conflict. But what's very fascinating is I, I've sit in hundreds of these sessions with folks where I've been like, to maybe the partner that's wanting to do more, I've been like, would you rather have some or none? And the partner always goes, some, some, absolutely yes, some. absolute some. This is a little Even, something. Sure, I have an ideal, right? But even if it doesn't end in orgasm, right? Like just some type of, often what people are craving is some type of intimate physical connection. And so if you can, and you know, we've talked before about like getting out the side dishes, right? Like things that are not intercourse space, like redefining what sex means. Sex doesn't always need to include intercourse or whatever it is as as a as a couple you've defined as like the the big show, like whatever it is, that's the big show. You can really start to look at like, are there ways that we could renegotiate that? And what are some different behaviors? And then having some, like we've talked about here, you got to talk, 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 talk. You need to talk a lot around, um, you know, the research around this area, postpartum, like postpartum sexuality and like sex post kids, the people that are doing better are communicating more. Right, 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 <laughs> See right. See that in it's the true. research it's true. all the time. And so if you're not talking, that's kind of one of the biggest things you probably need to do because everything around like renegotiating requires some level of conversation and even checking out of some assumptions you might have about your partner. Quick question, like, so for instance, this would be an example. Quick question, at the end of the day, I wasn't up to have intercourse with you, but I was up to like, just kiss for five minutes. And I set that boundary at the beginning and said, Hey, I'm not up for sex. Like I'm not up for intercourse tonight, but I am up for making out for five minutes. Would you like that? A lot of times people will be like, yeah. Yeah. Of course that. I will. Well, I mean, that's your partner when, yeah, of course. Right. So because people are often, we, we get stuck and we all do this in, in assuming. Um, another big tip, and we've talked about it in different ways on different pod podcast episodes, but letting go of the idea that in order to be sexual, it needs to be spontaneous. And if it's spontaneous, somehow it means that it's better. Nope. 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 Wrong. Even I know this one, Doc, because you have taught this so many times on the podcast. You know, people think like if if you're planning something, it's lame. Well, that is false. I know it's false. And I can even tell you, like, I used to think that before, you know, in my younger days, it had to be spontaneous. But the older I get, it's like, hey, man, I'm coming home on Saturday. Like, I got I got two hours. Let's make some magic and plan that every Saturday. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it is an amazing feeling. And it's fun because you're building anticipation to the sex, you know? Yeah. And it's awesome. To know that, like I said, and listen, sometimes it doesn't work out because of whatever reason, you know, somebody might have a cold. I don't know. But planning is great. Don't ever let anybody tell you it's not great. It doesn't have to be spontaneous to be great. You can plan it out. Also, just because you schedule time for something doesn't mean that you can't be spontaneous within that time. You don't have to plan out every touch, every 
Um, but you did actually bring up a good point. If, of course, this is just I like did. a little. This is a little side rule. If you do start to like schedule like sex, right, or schedule like I often tell people to schedule touch, right, to schedule touch dates, not specifically sex or a specific sexual act. And that both people sort of make an agreement. Our goal is to engage in intimate touch. If that ends up involving something overtly sexual, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Why? Because sometimes you might get there and be like, I am not up for anything hypersexual, but I am up for connecting with you in this physical way. And I will tell you that will add to sort of the sexual energy you have as a couple that will not be wasted. Um, as an aside, people often talk about like, we just need to find the time for sex I or to be sexual or to engage in touch. Typically, you probably need to make the time. You got to make the time. I agree you gotta with make you on the this time. one. It's like, it's, you got to make the time. You got to carve it out. You got to say, I'm you, making well, the it, time. Very few things happen without a set intention. Right. And it does require effort to keep these things going. And you know, sometimes I think when it's like, well, we just need to find the time, there's sort of a sensation that that will just happen. Probably not. If you've got kids and a busy life and busy schedules, you might just have to literally carve out the time. And to a certain degree, you have to let that be okay. That doesn't mean that something's wrong with your sexual relationship because you have to carve out. But I, I always call it a window of opportunity. You have to <laughs> yeah, start I like that carving out a window of opportunity because if you don't have that being sexual or physically engaging in one way or another is going to be rarer and rarer because life is always going to put something else in the way sure. um generally speaking world gets in the way doc i say it all the time yeah um do you want me to keep going where are we at on time i mean i don't i think we're getting pretty close so i would, right. I'll, I would go, I'll go for like wrap, five more minutes i would start to wrap it up all right. Okay. Um, something else uh, that can be very useful is to try to remember that many people need to have an on-ramp for sexual activity. What I mean by that is like, they can't just go from like not seeing you all day to suddenly being like, okay, now I'm ready. Right. <laughs> like er erotically, some people really, really need to be able to be like, I actually need to talk to you and connect with you for a little bit before. So if you're trying to like find time to be sexual, but you're also not finding time to just connect as partners, for some people that's, you still, you got to find time for both. You Otherwise gotta, you're listen, not. You got to work into it. You got to, you know, people, you, you know, listen, some people like Some people can, some people I, can I go. I just be like, you like, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm always ready, ready. But right, and that people, is some people. But some people, you know, they got to, you know, hey, how are you? How was your day? How are things? I want to connect with you. I want to talk with you. I want to, you know, they might need a little bit more of that before you just jump into the nitty gritty. Yeah. So one of my favorite things for people is to try, and, and there are sometimes limitations to this, money or time, but if you can, even if it's just once a month, start doing some date nights. And I have some, you, you got it. This is part of that. Like if you're just parents together, you're probably not going to find as much eroticism. There has to be some spaces where your partners. Right, yes. too. Good point. And, and so often I'll give people a rule, a, a set of rules. I love, I love, I love a, I love a boundary, but like, it's not really stringent rules. It's just, I'll have people like Usually, you know, maybe if they can pull off weekly, go for it. So, you know, affordability is an issue yeah, in childcare, right? Yeah. But like, if you can even pull off just once a month, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy or expensive, but if you can pull off once a month or once a week or whatever it is, like the rules that I give people, and it, they feel challenging, but they're really helpful. No talking about kids, money, or jobs. Ooh, 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 Doc, that was good. Damn, that that cut even me. I was like, right. I don't even have kids, but I could be like, ooh. Because if you take those things away, people are forced to then engage in the way that they used to engage before they had all these shared responsibilities, right? A lot of times when you have a lot of shared responsibilities with someone, your engagements become transactional. Did you do this? Yes. Hey, I got this done. Did you do this? And then that's fine. And that's great. And you do have to have those conversations, but then you don't get to have those like, like weird sort of like 
who are you? Who am I building experiences together? Right. Kind of partnery conversation. So a lot of times it's really funny. A lot of people will come back in and be like, that was so hard and it was great. There you go. <laughs> like, I literally, like, that one cut me deep. I was in the best of ways. I was like, oh, damn, you smart girl. You were so smart. Right. I love um, it. I, the last thing, and there's so much more that I could do on this. No, no, we'll I've do another episode. We're doing more episodes about this. We'll, are, we'll do more episodes on this. But like my final piece on this would be trying this idea of like trying not to catastrophize the changes that are happening in your sexual relationship. The more somebody like kind of freaks out and fights with the changes, often the more impactful they become. So like what I mean by that is if it's like, okay, things look different now. You can either be like, oh my God, things look different now, right? And like <laughs> really kind of like catastrophize that and like let anxiety about that run away with itself. Or you can try to find a way to go, okay, this, if I really step back, right? And I look at this from outside of myself, right? Like, like I, if I was someone looking in on a friend's relationship, I could probably see like, hey, yeah, you got a lot more going on. All right trying to find some calmness where you can go, okay, I think we need a new game plan. Yeah. <laughs> so often yeah. rather than catastrophizing the changes or deciding that they mean something really bad, if people can just breathe yeah. and be like, get together, talk and say, we need a new game plan. And just, and that, you know, what's funny, that's often what I'm doing for people is just getting everyone to slow down, take a deep breath, let's come up with a new game plan. Makes sense. And that's so Makes much of so what much my sense, job is yep. with people. And a lot of times people can do that for themselves. It's just about getting in the mindset to do so. Absolutely. Well, Doc. So there you go. That was brilliant. I think so many people are going to find this useful. I know I did, and I don't even have kids. So I think this was brilliant. I appreciate you. I appreciate all that you do for so many people, and I can see how this would help so many people. So check it all out. We're definitely going to do another episode about this. And you were really concise today. You did a good job, Doc. Did I? Good oh, for I have you. so much. My brain is exploding with so I know, much around I this know. topic. <laughs> Trust me. I can see your brain is moving at a million miles an hour. This, but you still, and then you could try this or <laughs> but that. you did real good at keeping Ugh. it all together. So thank you for all that you do. Be kind to everybody out there. Just, you know. Be nice to one another, and we will talk to you all again next week with a whole new episode here at the University of Pleasure. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.